Hey, Adam Richardson, lead pastor at Sandhurst. We are so thankful that you have joined us here on this live stream on your device, and we have prayed that it would be an encouragement and a blessing to you on your journey. If you are a part of the local Sandhurst family, would you reach out to us and let us know who you are if you're unable to visit for any period of time, because we want to maintain our connection to you and our care for you. If you're outside the local Sandhurst family, then we welcome you here. Um, at the same time, we hope this will not replace, but only supplement the care and the teaching you receive from your leaders in your church. And and if you would like to know more about starting or renewing a relationship with God through Christ, please definitely reach out to us at the number or the email below and we'll be in touch. If you enjoy this, would you please post or share this link so others can enjoy it as well. Thanks again for joining us. We trust it's an encouragement for you. Enjoy. Good morning. My name is Linda. Thank you for standing for the reading of today's scripture, 1 Peter 2. 11 through 25. You may find it in the Church Bibles on page 858. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 25. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Will. I'm the youth minister here, and it's good to be with you um, as we gather every Sunday. To remember God, to celebrate redemption, and to offer ourselves back to him. And one of the ways that we offer ourselves to him is 
and singing. Another way is as we approach his word um, with pre-committed obedience. That is to say, I mean, we just read it, but where we go, God, even before you tell me, even before I know what you're going to say this morning, I've already, des- already decided my answer. My answer is yes. So far be it from us that we would be a people who just come to church to um, watch a thing happen on stage. But we are um, not spectators, but participants in it. It's good to be with you. We are in this series on First Peter, and um, in First Peter, it's written by Peter, and it's written to people that to people that people, Peter calls strangers or exiles or um, sojourners or my translation NAS says aliens. And when he's addressing these people as these terms, uh, the idea is not that, that he's writing to some people who are like isolated victims, but as aliens, as strangers, they are living in a place that they don't belong because ultimately their citizenship is in heaven, but they remain here, alien, supernaturally distinct strangers. And the, the goal always when we're studying is not that we can be like, hmm, wow, very interesting. Um, the, the goal is that we would grow into the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, that we would grow in holiness. And so um, I want to just invite you this week as every week, as every day, so say, Lord, I don't want to just learn stuff. I want to grow up. Would you, would you grow me into the head which is Christ? And this is what we're doing as we go through First Peter. And so <clears throat> here is where we've been, all right? So far, Peter has armed the church with what we've called hope-filled gospel truths. And these are important for a church for, for these people because currently the, they are living under Emperor Nero. And he's writing to a group of people who are either in the middle of or seeing immense trouble on the horizon. And for these people who are either in the middle of or seeing trouble coming, he's going, I want to give you some hope-filled gospel truths about an inheritance you have that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and reserved in heaven for you. It is protected for you. You are protected for it. I'm probably going to steal a lot of things that Hal Irvine, who um, he plays the bass, and he also taught First Peter a couple weeks ago to our students, taught all the way through, and it was so good. So, um, I'm going to steal a lot of things that he says. And I probably won't give him credit every time. Sorry, Hal, but I'll, I'll just give you, a, he's sitting in the back. I'll give him a point, all right? We're a double-kept people. It is reserved for us, the inheritance. We are reserved for it, protected for it. Hope-filled gospel truths. He gi- he's given them hope-filled gospel truths about a salvation so glorious that angels long to look into these things. And he's given them hope-filled gospel truths about the preciousness of Jesus, the cornerstone who is united living stones, that's us, and to one priesthood to proclaim the excellencies of him who died and rose again. Or if you read the the NIV, it says to declare the praises of him who died and rose again. This is what Peter has been doing. Maybe to say it a little bit shorter, what he's doing, he's writing to arm aliens with hope-filled gospel truths about the implications of salvation, about the preciousness of Jesus, 
and about the mission of the church. This is, to, and that is to proclaim the excellencies of him who died and rose again. This is where he's been. And what he's going to do in the passage we're looking at today is he's going to talk about alien life, particularly as it pertains to just th- the world we live in. Uh, alienness in private, alienness in public, aliens as citizens and living under government, aliens as servants, and aliens in the home. That'll be next week. But uh, here's, here's what we're going to notice as we go through it um, slowly. We, well, not too slowly, but as we go through it, we're going to see, Peter, man, you're just ripping off a bunch of things you heard Jesus say. Like, as we read each line, I think we're going to, once we start to think about it, we're going to be like, Peter stole that from Jesus. And so we're going to see what he's saying is just what he heard Jesus say, but then he's going to end by, end with going, okay, let me go from saying what Jesus said to helping us remember what Jesus did. And sort of a big picture theme of all of this that I just, I don't want us to miss is that holiness matters to God. Another way to say it um, is obedience matters to God. And I just want to say that right off the bat because I think, um, I know for me as I've tried to think about, you know, all the different things that we do with students and I've wanted to go, okay, why are we doing this? And I found myself avoiding word, the word obedience, and I was saying things like, we want to grow in our relationship with Christ, or we want to grow in faith, or we're going to become more devoted, or something. And, uh, and, and none of those are bad phrases. But bottom line, I was thought, holiness matters to God. Our obedience matters to Him. And we're going to see that in, in these verses, and what does alienness, supernaturally distinct obedience, look like in these different settings? So, that's where we're going to go. Let's jump in, and we're going to look at each one in particular, all right? Chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Okay, so this is alienness, I think particularly in private. And, and the simple obedience that he's calling for is what? It's in verse 11. Abstain from fleshly lusts. Why? They wage war against the soul. Does, does that remind you of anything that Jesus taught his disciples? This one isn't like straight word for word, so. But does that make you think, did Jesus say anything to his disciples that would have indicated the seriousness of sin and the necessity to cut it out, to get rid of it? (laughs) There we go. Okay, there we go. I don't know who's saying it back there, but way to go. Especially back row, come on. The, um, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. To, to God, sin is a big deal. It's not something to be trivialized or justified or, you know, it's just, you know, I'm just human. The, sin, sin's a big deal to God. And I imagine Peter going, there was a time I heard Jesus say, sin is such a big deal that um, if my hand caused me to sin, I should cut it off. 
I really want the church to abstain from fleshly desires. They are, they wage war against our souls. Obviously, Jesus is not advocating self-mutilization. He is advocating radical amputation. That what is, whatever is in my life that's causing me to sin, it needs to be cut out, right? So, abstain. Why? They wage war against your souls. Why don't we abstain? Because sin feels good, right? If it didn't feel good, we wouldn't do it. it there's pleasure in sin. And so, but I want to give us an image of, of sin that, that hopefully will help us, all right? Um, M&M's. They're not like the best candy to me, but they're candy, you know, so I'll eat it. I'll eat chocolate. I'll eat, well, I'll eat most things, but, but then they got, um, they got fancier, and they put uh, the peanuts inside the M&Ms. I like that, but then they got even better, and they put, like, the peanut butter inside the M&Ms. I say, yes, please. Sorry if you don't like that. All right, I'll eat any of those, but what if M&Ms got, like, real fancy and say, oh, I got an idea. Let's put cyanide inside. Would you eat that? That's poison, by the way. <laughs> no. What if I said, hey, man, it'll taste good? You'd say, no. And Peter wants us to see sin like, as we would say often with students, candy-coated poison. It's waging war against our souls. Another image that I had just in my, in my head is if you heard a knock at the door and you just kind of assumed it was a friend and, and a voice says, hey, well, there's probably no, no words I could give that wouldn't make it creepy. But let's just say you, you go planning to, o- planning to open the door and you see, you look, you, you look through the thing and you see that. Would, would you answer? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. And this is, this is our, our um, fleshly desires, our sinful desires that all of us have, that we're going to have today, and they're going to come knocking on the door. And there's going to be so much enticement, and there's going to be pleasure, um, temporary, passing pleasure. And, and so much of our flesh is going to want to open the door. And I just want to give us an image that when, when the flesh comes knocking— our flesh, he's abstain, waging war against your soul. You, can you think of anybody in the Bible who would give a hearty amen to fleshly desires that wage war against the soul? Probably a lot. There's one guy named Adam and Eve. <laughs> they, they would probably say, yeah, it tasted good. It wasn't. You remember Achan? Saw the gold, saw the precious things that were under the ban when Israel was taking Jericho. And he saw it, he wanted it, he took it, he hid it. And I think if Achan were here today, he'd be like, guys, abstain from fleshly desires. They wage war against your soul. The, 
another thing that Hal said that I appreciated when he taught this with our students a few weeks ago. He said, you can't tip your dough. <laughs> tip. <laughs> you cannot tip your toe into sin. It'll grab you. And it does. So my exhortation, I mean, I want to take a um, fair amount of time with just this first verse to plead with us because I know we all have fleshly desires. And I know um, the temptation to either justify or to minimize. Um, and that's not alien life. God has given us some, some tools for victory. And they are truth. They are saints, each other. Um, with truth, here, here's, if, if you have something in your mind right now that you go, here, I know one of the fleshly desires that I keep giving into, I keep getting beat, this, this war that's waging in my soul, I keep losing the battle. Um, I want to ask us, if, if God has given us truth, I want to ask that we would have a disciplined mind. Because in temptation, we get stupid, don't we? It's like, in temptation, we forget everything we know. And it takes a discipline of the mind to be able to call things to our mind that we know to be true, but we just forget in temptation. And, and maybe even write it out. There have been a number of things that have um, been on the screen of my phone a lot of times just to remind me of things that I know, but I just forget and get stupid in, in temptation, or when my flesh just wants to go. All right, here's one of them. This, this comes from John 10, and it comes from John 8, where Jesus, um, in both those passages, Satan is a damned, murderous liar who hates me. That is truth, which is one of God's gifts, to be able to say out loud in temptation, or the thing that's waging war in my soul. Satan is a damned, murderous liar who hates me. What a fool to take his M&Ms. That's really helped me. Um, this is candy-coated poison. That's really helped me. Another one that's really helped me is to say this. The sin that rules me will someday ruin me. I don't know when, but it's kind of like playing in a minefield. I'm sure it could be fun for a while. Maybe the thrill of it would be kind of exciting. <laughs> the sin that, that rules me will one day ruin me. I don't want to give in. So truth. Truth is one of the weapons God has given us. Um, saints he's given us. So I, I want to call us to a disciplined mind. I want to encourage you to actual accountability have people in your life who push you towards holiness? Do you have some of those people? Some of the, some people who are going to help you sing on Sunday, who are going to help you, like, who, who know the questions that they need to ask you? Um, I have these people in my life who are going to ask me very specific questions that they know I need to be asked. So I want to call us to a disciplined mind and to um, actual accountability and I also want to encourage radical amputation, the, the cutting out of things that um, cause us to sin. Because while it's true, God has given us, you know, the word of God, the people of God as weapons. He's also given us a brain with common sense. <laughs> so 
because some things just need to go because holiness matters. Um, <clears throat> so like I said, I, I'm taking a fair amount of time with this because I think um, especially with secret sin, the enemy is eating our lunch. And um, tell you one more thing that we say to the students a lot. New resolutions without new actions is the well-worn path of many sincere Christians who never change. I'll say it again. Um, new resolutions. This time, I'm, I'm not going to do it again. As of this moment, I, this is, that last time was last time. New resolutions without new actions is the well-worn path of many sincere Christians who never change. Maybe to say it a little bit shorter, uh, new resolutions without new actions will leave me the same person that I don't want to be. So if you got something stirring in you, and you're like, man, well, you're kind of laying it on kind of thick right now. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's because it wages war against your soul. And so if, if new resolutions is where you're stopping I just want to um, just want to encourage you to bring new actions beside it. Maximus Decimus Meridius, if you like the movie Gladiator, the time for half measures and talk is over. That's what he says. I love that line. So, in private, abstain from fleshly desires. They wage war against your soul. Um, in public, Let's look at what he says, Ver good verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So, in public, keep your behavior excellent is what he says. Does that verse remind you of anything that Jesus said that Peter just ripped off? Or, I, or may, maybe I'm just crazy here, but um, uh, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. And yeah, 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 Peter's just <laughs> ripping off Jesus' stuff. In the day of visitation, there's, um, there's debate about what that is, uh, if that's like a day of judgment. Um, most people would say the day of visitation is the day when God comes and meets somebody in their life for, like, to bring them to salvation. That the, the cool sort of miracle in that is the way you acted around that person can be used, be used by God as part of bringing them to God. For the glory of God. So, um, Part of, part of, I think, the nuance of this is it's not just keep your behavior excellent in public. It's keep your behavior excellent when you are, um, verse 12, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers. So it's not just like being a good person. It's not just obeying God. It's obeying God in the face of insults and accusations and wrong accusations. It's slander. And that is... It. That adds another level to difficulty. Yes? Yes. Okay, so Peter's writing to people who, who um, see trouble on the horizon or, or maybe uh, or they're definitely feeling it. 
I'm not a doomsday guy, but here's some of the trouble that I see on the horizon. That to be a Christian and to be um, well thought of and kind of well respected as a Christian, that those days are fading. And that to be a Christian is going to be mostly, um, or maybe not mostly, uh, but to be a Christian is going to, be, is going to equal bigot, um, hater. And, and I know students uh, experience this uh, more probably than, than we do. But to be a Christian equals lots of unpleasant labels. And what does he say to do? Keep your behavior excellent. So even when you're slandered, we don't, I mean, what do you want to do when somebody says something nasty about you? When somebody cuts you, what do you want to do? Cut them back and cut them deeper. Keep your behavior excellent. Stay on the high road. Because every slandering punk is a potential God glorifier. And Paul the apostle would give a hearty amen to that. So, um, keep our behavior excellent. Oh, no, not yet. All right, citizenship. Go to verse 13. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. And the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Pause there. What's the very simple, um, supernaturally distinct act of obedience as citizens of, you know, under a government? What's the uh, first word? Submit. Submit. It means to place ourselves under. Now, when we read things like this, automatically we have all these, but what about... And we start like throwing up, but what about, what, what about, what, what about? Yes, 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 yes. But what about if the government tells me to do something that God says not to do? Okay, we already know. God's authority goes above the authority of government. So where there's conflict, we obey God. But God, as our truest, highest king, acknowledges that we have dual citizenship. And, but dual citizenship does not, is not the same as equal citizenship. So I am a citizen of heaven, God is my king, and I'm a citizen of the United States. And so as an obedience to God, I submit to my government. Yes? Um, he actually says this is the will of God. Can you think of what uh, Peter might have heard Jesus say that would have led him to write this? Yes, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, i.e. pay your taxes. Not because you like it, just <laughs> because that is called submitting. Uh, don't cheat on your taxes. That would be submitting to the authority. Verse 16, act as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. So he's like, you're submitting, you're placing yourself under, but that doesn't make you um, less free. It, having dual citizenship must not make you so free that you justify civil disobedience. That doesn't honor our truest king. So um, a second sort of uh, what 
in regard to citizenship is in verse 17. And I think this one might be more relevant to us. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and what, what are the next three words? Honor the king or emperor. Okay, now we already established who, who's the emperor? Nero. Great guy? No. Godly guy? No. Upholding Christian values? No. Submit? Yes. Honor? Every parent in here knows that your kid can submit to you without honoring you. Fine, right? That's submission. Is that honor? No, it's not. Are both commanded? Yes, they are. What if Trump is president? Honor? What if Biden is president? We better say it. Yes. <laughs> I know who I'm talking to right now. <laughs> yes. Um, honor. Now we're going to see in a second. Honor doesn't mean, it, and submission doesn't mean that we give up our voice and become just a doormat. Okay, that's not what submission does. But it, <laughs> submission and honor is how aliens live supernaturally distinct obedience with dual citizenship. Okay? All right. Oh. Let's go to servants. Here we go. Verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable, or maybe your Bible says harsh. For this finds favor, or some, there's different uh, ways of translating that, for this is a gracious thing, or a thing of grace. Verse 19, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Yes, there's a lot of suffering in First Peter. Four, what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God, or this is a thing of grace. So, <laughs> servants, or if you have NIV or some other translations, are, it says slave. The command is submit to be submissive with all respect to your masters, the good and the harsh or the unreasonable. So a little historical context, all right? <clears throat> slavery in Rome was bad. <laughs> um, slavery is bad and evil. The word that Peter uses here addresses a certain slice of slavery that meant more of house servant, like you almost might think of like a maid, um, at this point in first century Rome, he's talking to servants who worked involuntarily, okay, involuntarily, as paid professionals who could acquire legal freedom. So, while I'm saying that this is what he's talking to, talking about, is different than the atrocity of the slavery that happened here, um, and that is expressly condemned in First Timothy 1, I am not saying that this kind of thing wasn't difficult, um, a hard life that wrongly stripped some people of their human dignity and justice. All that to say, I'm not trying to be like, um, well, you know, some slavery is not that bad, so just submit. You know, because some, I'm like, I'm trying to say it is different, and it's bad, and he even talks about having bad masters who um, unjustly punish 
and what do we do? Submit with all respect. So what does this have to do with us? This is um, Wayne Grudem. He wrote this, a word stronger than servant and weaker than slave is needed in reference to um, verse 18. Therefore, even though there is no exact parallel to such servant status in modern society, the fact that this was by far the most common kind of employee-employer relationship in the ancient world and that it encompassed a broad range of degrees of functional and economic freedom means that the application of Peter's directives to employees today is a very appropriate one. All that to say what Peter says in verse 18 and following can be applied to us as employees. What do we do? We submit with all respect. Now, does that mean that I have no voice? Or they just need to kind of lay down and just kind of like be passive? No, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, okay? Uh, submit does not mean that you, does not strip a person's ability or um, responsibility for appropriate pushback. Okay, so Adam, he's on the front row. He's my boss. Do I have to submit? Shoot. Dang. Okay. All right. What if, what if he tells me to do something and I don't want to do it? And I, or no. And I, and I don't think that's the right call to make. I can question. Can I question? Yes. He said, please. And that's true. So if you're in a job and, um, I don't want us to take first Peter to say just um, just kind of take it. If you're being unjustly treated, you should submit. But there are good ways to appropriately push back and submit. So here's what it looks like for Adam and I. I'm not going to give specific examples, but there have been times when he's asking me to do s- things um, that I didn't, I didn't really like or didn't really think was, you know, didn't line up perfectly with the way that I would have done it. So here's, here's a good way to navigate that if you want to live like this. Um, and hopefully this helps. It starts with an expression of submission. So, Will, I'd like you to fill in the blank. And usually what I would say is um, something like, I, I'll do whatever you ask. Or I'm, I'm in it for whatever you want. Is that about how it comes across? Yes. Right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Whatever you say, I'm in, but can I push back? And without fail, Adam has said, and I'm lucky that I have a good boss, but he he says, yeah. And sometimes he's taken the pushback and said, yeah, let's let's go that. Sometimes he goes, cool, (laughs) and I'll do it this way. And then then submit. And that's, that's a good boss thing to do, okay? What I'm trying to say is there's an ability to express submission and appropriately push back that, that, um, that, I think arms people to be able to silence the, the foolish talk of ignorant men, which is what he says, and doesn't allow, I'm not saying he's evil, but doesn't allow an, an evil to persist. We can push back and be submissive. And it, do, y'all, do y'all feel that? I feel it, so I'm, I'm good. Um, I do think, especially to young people, laziness, daggum, Lazy, 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 lazy. And our culture, to me, seems lazy, 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 lazy. And the laziness and, and, and harsh culture 
is going to be the dark backdrop against which hard-working saints committed to holiness through suffering will really shine. What am I saying? I'm saying social media, if you're getting paid, should get zero minutes of your day while you're in work. That's what I'm saying. And that that would be like supernaturally distinct. Like what? While I'm paying you, you don't just scroll? Yes! Yeah, because we work hard. We submit, okay? I, I think um, hard work in the workplace in submission to th that authority is a real way to be like, whoa, that's different. It's true with students. We do, uh, we, we do so many things with the students, and people are just like, wait, students did that? Like, yeah. And they're like, they're blown away. No way. Yes. Yes, that's just different. It's, you almost might even say it's distinct. Alien. Yes. So up to this point, Peter's just been ripping off things that Jesus has said. Now he's going to turn to what Jesus has done. And, uh, but before we go there, I want to I don't want to miss um, a, a sort of a, a God-focused highlight in this. That all of this that he talks about is an alien life that is from God and for God. So many of you, you, you might be in a situation where you're trying to go, okay, um, you're seeking the Lord's will. You're seeking the Lord's calling. Um, the ver verse 15 gives our answer. For such is the will of God. Here's the will of God. That by doing right, obeying, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. There is a will of God for you, and it is this, alien life. It is God's, it is his will from him for you. Look at verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. Everything that we just talked about and that he's going to show in a second. There is a will, there is a call from God for this, for God. Look, look at um, verse 13. I just don't want to miss the, the God emphasis here. Verse 13, submit yourself. What does he say? Why? For the Lord's sake to every human institution. For the Lord. Why, why am I doing this? For the Lord. I have a calling from God, and what I do in alien life is for his sake. Do you see that? His calling, the calling from him for his sake. I, I guess that, I, that matters to me because I don't want us to be a church where we're just kind of like checking boxes of do, and doing what's right and just trying to make sure I'm a, I'm a good boy. I'm like, no, I have an aim here. I have an aim of submission, submitting to the call of God for me as an alien and for me to do it as unto the Lord. Okay, verse 21, and the band can come up. Um, but don't check out. I know sometimes the band comes up, it's like, close the Bible. I, no, no, okay, the, the best verses are here. These are the best ones. Verse 21, for you have been called for this purpose. Look, the, the purpose of alienness as ones who are supernaturally distinct in our world. To this you have been called. And, and, sorry, I keep on interrupting. An alienist that obeys through suffering in slander and in a harsh government and when har in, in harsh treatment as a servant or worker. Verse 21, for you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you. I love this, this image. Leaving you an example for you to follow 
in his steps. Look, think like footprints. Jesus left an example for us to follow in his steps. And what Peter is about to do, he's about to say, here's where Jesus didn't step. And he's also going to say, here's where he did step. Look at where he, he didn't step. Verse 22, who committed no sin. So he never stepped in fleshly desires. He committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. He never stepped in deceit. He never played that game of like, well, it wasn't a lie. He never played that game. Yeah, I know you've played that game, right? Well, I didn't lie to him, technically. Right? No, he didn't step in sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. I like the way NIV says it. He didn't retaliate. He never stepped in retaliation. What else did he not step in? He did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. So Jesus gave us an example of what it's going to look like to be alien, particularly in the midst of suffering in all these different environments. And it didn't look like fleshly desires. It didn't look like deceit. It didn't look like... Um, what's the one I just meant? Retaliation? Thank you. It didn't look like those things. What did it look like? Here's where he did step. Verse 23, And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But here's where he stepped. He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously or justly. So he didn't, he didn't step in sin. Here's, here's the path that he set forth of into suffering, God, I trust you. Into suffering, God, I trust you. In suffering, God, I trust you. I trust you. And I think that matters because in the face of injustice, you just feel like, well, if I keep my behavior excellent, then, then they won't learn their lesson, or then it'll keep happening, or whatever. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. This is the example that he set. And here's what he accomplished and what he didn't step in and what he did, verse 24. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He bore our sin. He made a way for forgiveness. So all the landmines that you and I constantly step in, instead of getting blown up in the just wrath of God that we deserve, Jesus threw himself on the mine, right? And, and took the hit, that he took the wrath of God. He bore our sins on himself, that we might stand before God holy. Whew. I, I love the song we sang earlier. Uh, my wife... She nudged, she said, this is something like, this is the gift of God to you. This is what we sang earlier. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, I turn to myself and my own, no, that's not what I do. That's not what I do. Uh, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there, who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. Why? For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. He himself, and what he didn't step in, and what he did step in, he bore our sin. That's called grace. And so, I've heard it said, grace calls us in to send us out. 
Okay. <laughs> Grace calls us in to send us out. I wonder if that's going to be, be true here. Uh, probably. Verse 24, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That's grace. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Yes, the grace of God that bore our sin is the grace of God that says, go and walk in obedience, following the footsteps of Jesus. And where you don't step and where you do step, entrusting myself to God, even, um, even though the cost may be By his wounds you were healed, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Yep, we're like sheep just following the shepherd. He's just keeping that same image of following in the footsteps. So um, I love, again, the way Hal said it. Hal said it for us. He said, the New Testament knows nothing of an untested Christian. And that makes sense because our Savior was not an untested Savior. And for some reason, um, a lot of times testing, whether it's from the flesh or from external um, legit wrongs, can cause us to, to abandon ship, um, to, to walk out of step with the shepherd. And Peter's like, nope, alien life. It's gonna, it, it's, there's going to be testing. But abstain. Keep your behavior excellent. Submit with all respect and honor. Submit. And the home is next week. So, um, so two things. Uh, rejoice. <laughs> he bore our sin. I, there's definitely a heaviness when we were in verse 11. It was like waging war. Yeah. And ultimately the battle's been won. Rejoice price of sin has been paid. Um, second, live to righteousness. Um, obviously, I'm just, I'm just saying to do what Peter already said do. And to that, I just want to bring us back to new resolutions without new actions will leave me the same person I don't want to be. So if there's something stirring in you that's going, I, I need to actually have some meaningful accountability. Like I need to actually, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Live to righteousness. So uh, where is worldliness usurping alienness? In what environment? Where is worldliness usurping alienness? And what new actions need to be taken for new victory? Let's just think about those two things. Where is worldliness usurping alienness? And what new actions need to be added for new victory? God, holiness matters to you. I pray uh, that we would have the courage to do what is right now. It's easy. That we would follow in your footsteps as you've set the example for us. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.